From across the Midwest, this is Opinions Anonymous, your new favorite podcast. If you can't get enough of us, check us out online at opinionsanonymous.com. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and remember, everyone has an opinion. Ours are just better. Hello, and welcome to Opinions Anonymous. Welcome to a very special episode. This is part one of the two-part series around the NCAA tournament, NCAA conference tournaments. And today, we are going to do some bubble team watch, some conference tournament talk, and really what we think the NCAA tournament should be about. I am Luke. With me today is Joe. Joe, how are you? Doing well, Luke. Ready to enjoy the most wonderful time of the year here the next couple of weeks. It certainly is. So let's jump right into it. The NCAA conference tournaments start tomorrow for the major five conferences, and some of them have already been underway and some of them have have already completed. But first, Joe, I guess congratulations. Second year in a row, right? You'll be going to the Big Ten tournament, which is obviously what we talk about the most on here. But Actually, it's the fourth year in a row. That's what I said? Yeah. Close enough, it rounds up. Yeah, yeah. So in Chicago this year, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. We've uh, A group of us have gone. This is the fourth year, um, and it's been in a different city every year. So it's been, um, it's been cool to be able to experience uh, not only the tournament and good basketball, but get to have an excuse to see some other, some other cities you don't normally see. And new city every year, so you don't have to worry about the ones you've already been kicked out of. That's right. And then by the time it gets back there, maybe in year five or six, they'll forget about it. Yeah, forget about you guys. So the Big Ten has quite a few, quote-unquote, bubble teams. So I thought maybe we'd start with bubble teams. We can start in the Big Ten if you'd like. But let's just talk about some of the bubble teams in the NCAA and how you think that they're going to fare in the coming up tournaments. All right. So um, I'm assuming we're going to describe bubble teams according to these – the bracketologists, those professionals and geniuses online. The guys that think they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Uh, speaking of that, I don't – just to kind of – some people may already know about this, but bracketmatrix.com, have you heard of that, Luke? I have not. It is actually a website, and I don't know the exact number, but it actually keeps track of every bracket. And I say every. There's probably a few it's missing, but it's like 118 online brackets, and they update it probably daily this time of year. And it does the math for you and makes an average of all of the, where each team is placed and gives you like an aggregate. Like if you would average all of those brackets out so that you're not just looking at one, like if, if Joe Lenardi, if he's an idiot, you don't have, have to stick with that. It, it includes his in here, but there's also 119. So it, or 118, it's a bunch of them. So that's what I use. It's pretty, pretty cool to, to look at and just see, how they're different. I know some of them, they've got them as a two seed in one bracket and as low as maybe a four or a five in another. So it's kind of cool to see all that. But it's bracketmatrix.com. I'm there. So according to that is, okay, so on Thursday morning, first game of the day at the Big Ten tournament is Ohio State versus Indiana. Is that in itself a play-in game? It is, yeah. I, I think the loser is out and the winner... Probably makes the tournament. The winner is in probably barring any of like a, a, a any of those yeah. random uh, conference champions that steal an, an at large 
at large bid. An Ohio Valley upset and a, a Mid-Eastern upset or Metro Atlantic, something like that. Yeah. And even then, some of those are probably even just one bid ones anyway. Right. Gonzaga losing, I guess, in the West Coast would be a good example. Yeah, that, that would be one, which I don't. I honestly don't see that happening. But speaking of because that leads into the bubble thing of, you say, Ohio Valley. Murray State beat Belmont. Belmont was the one seed there. And Belmont is one of the first four out yep. in a lot of brackets. I mean, r- right there, it, I guess if the season ended today on this, it, it, what I'm looking at has Ohio State in, Indiana out, and Belmont out. If they didn't have a conference tournament, would you agree with that? I probably wouldn't, but it it jumps into my first of our favorite arguments, and I'm not saying maybe me and you, but me and the general public. I think that conference championships are the most useless thing in college basketball. I, I can agree with most of that. There, there are 32 conferences, and this year there are 45 conference champions. So... The the conference champion. I mean, they don't they don't even have anything in line to give you a distinct conference champion. There were multiple and double digit conferences this year. The next thing I would say is it doesn't get you anything. I mean, maybe there's I don't know if there's a couple of them that don't have tournaments, so they get the automatic bid. But say the Big Ten's different. But say it's uh, the Ohio Valley and you Belmont wins the conference and say they win it by five games, but they happen to lose in the final of their tournament, then they, they don't make the they don't make the tournament just based on one game instead of five throughout the entire season. I completely agree with that. The only thing now I say I, I agree with most. Of it. The only thing I do like about it is every team once the regular season's over, every team still has a shot to make the tournament. So I get that argument, but still like. Let's be real about it. How many times does a team that that doesn't have a shot, I guess, in a major conference really make it? I mean, for instance, right now, we I brought up Ohio State and Indiana. They don't have to win the tournament to right. get that automatic bid. They they win one. We agree they're probably in. They win they win two. We I think most normal people would agree they're they're in. So it's not like they have to win the championship. But I guess I do like how I guess. I think the NCAA does it in theory. I guess is it up? To, I guess it's probably up to the conference, but um, in theory, it gives every team an, an actual tangible shot to qualify for the tournament. Is the most famous example maybe Connecticut a few years ago when they had Kimba Walker? Weren't they like a seven seed in the Big East, and and they actually went on and won that, and then took a pretty deep run in the NCAA tournament as well. I don't, I don't know the exact C, but I do know they had to play every day, and that was back when, when the Biggie still yeah. had a double buy. So they started on like, I think they started on Tuesday, had to play like five straight days to win the tournament, got in, and then ended up as a seven seed in the in the NCAA tournament, ended up winning. Yeah. So that that's one example, but I agree with you. There's very few examples especially i mean obviously again we talk about the big 10 the most if you win the big 10 regular season you're going to make the tournament regardless of what you could lose in the first round of your conference tournament and for the smaller ones i guess never overly relevant if if belmont doesn't make it or they make it as a last four in does it really matter in in the whole scheme of things no but that would go into a a another argument i have later but 
in this case, though, I think they they were the one and two seed in that conference, and it wasn't by a wide margin, but it came down to one game. And I think what stinks there is Belmont had a pretty good team this year, had a pretty good season, really. But it comes down to that it came down to one game for them. They happened to not play their best game in one game, and now they don't they don't have a chance to go to the dance. And I mean, those are teams right there that you get a twelve or an eleven seed and. Anybody who watches the team every year knows that a, an 11 or 12 seed, it's not that uncommon for them to make the second weekend. So, I mean, it, it just kind of stinks for them. And and then, again, again, there's a bunch of different angles you can take it. Do they, do they deserve to be in? And when since we're talking about bubble teams, what's it take to get in? Is it is it the most deserving team that has the best resume? Are you trying to pick, as far as bubble teams, Who's the best team right now? Who over the season is the best team? What is it to you that that is what should make up the team that makes the tournament? Yeah, and almost any point that I want to make right now is going to jump into a broader thing, so we may jump around. But if I look at these first four out and you look at the projected seating across the board, it's it's between 10 and 12. So the last team to make the tournament is not a 16 seed. It's not a 15 seed. It's not a 14 seed. It's not a 13 seed. They automatically jump to 12, which which almost boggles my mind and and goes to my larger point, which I, I don't know if we want to get into it now. We can always come back to bubble teams. But I think that the top 68 teams in the NCAA should make up the NCAA tournament. So there are rankings from 1 to 353, and the top 68 teams should be in. Okay. And again, <laughs> it's going to be tough to keep this keep this all uh, compartmentalized into one place because that opens up a whole can of worms that I, I would love to go down to. But I definitely agree with you and how odd it is that you're a bubble team, but then we're going to throw you into you're an 11 seed now and then make these other teams make this Prairie View A&M, who's probably going to be a 16 seed, turn around and play Virginia in the right. first round. Then beat them for the second I mean, year and in they a row. Won their <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, I guess it gets to me. It's like, wh- like you said, what do, what do you want the tournament to be? Is it is it to determine a quote unquote national champion, or are you just you, do you just have a tournament? You have your the parameters you've set to get in, and then now you you're just trying to get a winner of that tournament. If the latter is the case, then I think it's fine the way it is. We we've set parameters on what it takes to get in. Committee's always a little sketchy on on what they're looking at this given year. Sometimes it's, do you have 20 wins? Sometimes it's, what's your last 10 look like? How'd you finish in the conference? What's your BPI or RPI? I, I feel like that always changes, which I don't like. But if you're just, okay, this is the NCAA tournament. This is how we're going to invite the teams. And then whoever wins, wins. If you If that's the way you want the tournament and that's the way you see it, I think the way they do it is fine. You nailed it. I think you asked the right question. What do you want the NCAA tournament to be? If we were to ask Kyle of, of Opinions Anonymous, he would say, I want to drink for you know several days, gamble a bunch, and, and, and I'm good. Like If that's your answer, <laughs> then all right. But if you want to tr- crown a true national champion, I think you take the top 68 teams and you see who's the best. And, and you could still argue that the best team is not going to win, but... I think we had the argument that the best of seven series is in the NBA, MLB, NHL. That 
probably truly gets you the best team, but if you want the best 68 teams to just have a knockdown drag out tournament, then that's what it should be. If this is really about gambling and unfortunately we're we love March Madness so much it doesn't they could put the 68 worst teams in and we're still going to watch the shit out of it. Yes. No, I agree and it's hard for me to to criticize the tournament because it is such a good event that I mean I'll be honest. I, I take the days off the work so I can sit home and watch them. Like it, it's a it's a major. I treat it like a holiday. I I love it. But I agree with you. If you want it to be a national champion, which is why you'll never hear me call the winner of the tournament right. a national champion because I don't feel like it's set up to be a national champion. It's a tournament. They put a good tournament on. It, it takes a very good team playing well at the right time to win. But if if you're if you want a national champion, first thing is. Throw away the 68 teams. Stop yeah. at 64. Or you don't even have to go that far. Because to be completely honest with you, if if you've played at least a round robin, and in some conferences they play a double round robin, and you can't finish in the top four or five of that, I don't think you deserve to be considered yeah. a national champion. I think if you if you want a national champion, and, and the conferences are already conferences are already set up, play a double round robin. Home, home, play everybody home and away and only take like the top four or five from a particular, from each conference and do it that way. That way you still have everybody has a, everybody has a chance to get in. You have to, you have to finish high enough in your pool. It's very similar to how soccer does the world cup, I guess. It's just a, a longer process. And then you take like the top. Now, I don't know how exactly you do it fair with the, uh, the MEACs and the the Summit League because they don't have as many teams that are legitimate contenders as a Big Ten or SEC or ACC. So it's not a perfect science. I'm not necessarily arguing that because I think the NCAA tournament, like you said, what should it be? I think it is what it is. It's a good tournament at the end of the year that anybody that's playing well has a good shot to be in if you put in a good season. And... All in all, if you want to just gear it to the end and hope you win four or five games in a row to win your conference tournament and get a chance to get in that way, like you have a shot. So I guess I think it's fine for what it does. I really enjoy it. I, I don't know if I would change it much just because of all the excitement it does bring. But you'll never hear me call it right. a national champion. I actually agree, Joe. I, I didn't think we'd start agreeing this much. Should, should we jump right in? Should we jump right into it? Like, does IU deserve to be in? Should we Should we start there? <laughs> well, do they deserve to be in? Oh, see, and and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna backtrack a little bit and say that it should be stuck at 64. Don't go to 68, because I guess my question: Why was? I feel like the reason the field was expanded to 68 was because you had. Those three or four teams every year that said, ah, oh, I should have had a chance. I should have been in. Well, now what are we talking about? We added four more teams and we're having the same conversation. Yeah. If, if we have a first four out and next four out and others as categories still, I mean, you're going to have that issue no matter what. Unless. Yeah. If, if you let 264 yeah. teams in, there's still going to be four of them like, oh, I, I'm 267. I, I, should, I should be yeah. in. No, you should Or we just go the full 353. Let's do it. Yeah. And, and just <laughs> regular season, it only matters yeah. for seeding. But, okay, so back to should Indiana be in. Going back to my – now, 
I get we're we're set on sixty eight teams, so sixty eight teams have to get in, and I can't make much of an argument that any teams behind them deserve to be in front of them. And if they beat Ohio State, Ohio State's terrible right now, especially without Caleb Wesson. So with everything in front of me, like I can't argue that Alabama should be ahead of them. Can't necessarily argue that Creighton should be ahead of them. Davidson, Furman, Lipscomb. Now they finished tied for eighth in their conference, so no, I don't think they should be in. But then who else you going right. to put in? I guess is my thought. So I, I guess with the way the tournament's set up, if if they beat Ohio State and they have a respectable showing against Michigan State, yeah, I'd say they should be in. I, I really just thought it would be a quick no. <laughs> well, I, I would I would say no, but I, I my thing is I, I don't know who I'd put in ahead of them. You're much more rational than me, maybe, when it comes to <laughs> comes to sports. <laughs> but yeah, I, I that's the thing. So the Pac-12 this year, awful. Like what? I mean. What are they going to get, a, a team a one, or two? They should be a one-bid conference. Like, they should just be – they'll get three just because it's Pac-12 and the committee loves shit. They they screw stuff up like that all the time. They'll put three in because it's the Pac-12, but they should get one, maybe two, depending on how the tournament goes. Yeah. And that's one where – who the hell knows who's winning that tournament? Yeah. I mean, Washington – Washington's probably the best team in that conference. But if they don't make the final game – <laughs> I'm not putting them in unless they win. Like, right? They have to make the championship game to make it. I think. Yeah. And you know, the next closest I know they're talking about Arizona State, but they haven't really done anything to impress me. And um, Oregon. I mean, they've got Dana Altman. They probably have the best chance to win the tournament. Yeah. Uh, and they've just been there before. None of these other teams have been there before. The Pac-12 tournament is somebody who could steal a bid from one of these other teams. We're talking about for sure. I, yes. But the, like I said, that's if the other legitimate teams make like the championship game to even get consideration for a two. But like I said, the committee will do something and give them three. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the committee will hand them a couple that because they've got Oregon all the way down here, about five or six outside of the next four out. Yeah. So, so I so yeah, if Oregon wins that conference tournament and they beat Washington. And Arizona would probably have to make it to the quarter or past the quarterfinal. Then, the, like they, yeah, they'll probably get it. They'll probably end up getting three. So, yeah, that that'll that'll make the bubble a little smaller there. So, uh, w- speaking of the just tournaments in general, what would you ideally like to see the NCAA tournament look like? I have plenty of opinions. As soon as I say something, I'm going to change my mind. But I would like to actually see something that resembled more of what a national championship would be like. I'd like to, but I think if you did that, you would want to do like three game series because I think if you do a national champion, I think you want to, you'd want something that looks more like the NBA because you would want to get, I think then you're trying to determine who is the best team. We're going to combine, we're going to combine some depth. Uh, we're going to, we're going to tease out like the streaky shooting or somebody getting foul trouble. Now, entertainment wise, no, I don't want to see that because the NCAA provides a lot of entertainment. You wouldn't have the Loyola Chicago's like you had last year. Um, you wouldn't have, I don't think you'd have UConn that won as a seven C. Yeah. Like you don't get the upset to do that. And I think that's what makes it like UMBC would not beat Virginia nine times out of ten, but they just had to beat them one. Yeah, time. so how many teams in that scenario would you propose? Oh. 
I mean, are you thinking like 16 or? I think a good tournament would be 16. Yeah, 16 and best two out of three. Maybe the finals is three out of five. Yeah, and I say this all, all going back. I'm changing the whole purpose of the tournament, though, if I do that. Well, in your opinion, though, that's a better national championship. So I, I don't know if you are. If you're going to go the national champion route, yes, I, I, I would go. I would go that route. But honestly, look, if if it's not broke, don't fix it, and it's not really that broke, in my opinion. I think the NCAA, which I, I don't blame the NCAA, but they market it more as excitement value. I'm when yeah. Virginia lost to a 16 seed for the first time, a number one has ever lost. That's all you heard. That's all people wanted to talk about, and it was great. I mean, the NCAA loved it. Vegas probably loved it. I mean, I, everybody wanted to talk about that. In my scenario where I say teams 1 through 64, we'll, we'll say for argument's sake, make the tournament, you're going to have Butler playing Gonzaga. I mean, are you going to get a huge upset? No, but you may get a one seed losing. Or you have you know Oregon or Seton Hall or Arkansas playing Virginia Duke or you know, Houston in this in this instance would be number one because they're kind of fourth ranked in the country right now. Yeah. So they're going to get the last one seed. Houston's not going to get a one seed. No. So the the matchups. I mean, you're going to have 16s beat ones probably every couple of years because it's better teams. But when a 16 beats a one, are people really that shocked? Is it really that exciting? So you are taking it away from what the tournament is today. When a 15 beats a two, which happens a little more often, it's great. You know, you go into your office pool and, and somebody had Michigan State winning the whole thing and they lose to a 15 seed a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, yeah. well, your your bracket's fucked. See, <laughs> see you next year. Thanks for the donation. Yeah, no, and I agree. But so if you do it that way, going back to uh, our football conversation we had when Kyle participated too, you kind of want the basketball one to go kind of what his theory of the football tournament would be, where you, you pretty much just invite the top, like, six conferences. Yeah. Because you probably wouldn't even bother inviting someone from the um, the SWAC or the, or the Sun Belt or anything like that. It's really a similar conversation. Or do we say there are no conferences? Yeah, but let's be honest, you're not going to get rid of conferences. What I what I wish would happen here here's what I if I could wave a magic wand and have something happen to the college basketball the ACC Big 10 challenge you've got like the Gavit games the Big 10 plays Big East I know the SEC do they play like the Big 12 and the Pac 12 plays I I don't know these conference challenges I want to see I think every like Power 5 or Power 6, however many there are in the basketball they consider to be the big conferences, I want to see each conference play against another conference and spread those out throughout the year. So since we're kind of in Big Ten country, like the Big Ten would one week out of the year, everybody in the Big Ten or at least the vast majority would play a team from the ACC like they do now. You'd wait about two or three weeks and then you would play somebody from the Big 12 for a whole for a week and then you'd wait and then you play with somebody from the Pac-12 and you would spread that out and you could start at the very beginning of the season and just kind of sprinkle them in throughout the year and I think that would give us a much better idea of which conferences are better than other conferences 
Because I've heard so much this year that the Big Ten is just beating each other up. They're just so good from top to bottom. Well, once once January hits, you have no idea if they're beating each other up because they're good or they're beating each other up because they're not good. Right. I, I would love to just get a better barometer. And I actually think the Big 12 and SEC might play later in the year, somewhere like end of January or something. And I think there needs to be more of that so that at least the selection committee has more to go on. Because, yeah, when you just play each other, you have no idea if the game's close because you're both good or you're both bad. Yeah, I I totally agree. So what, what like what do you so you you want the top sixty eight? How do you pick the top sixty eight in your opinion? I think it's the A people. But the other thing with with the A people is I, I actually wish, and this might just be the nerd in me, but I wish there was a scientific formula that provided ranking. And I actually I researched it this year because I I didn't know about it, but you hear it all the time is quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four wins and. It's interesting, and just just for the listeners, if you don't know, a quad one is a home win versus somebody ranked in the top 30, uh, a neutral win against somebody ranked in the top 50, or a road win against somebody ranked in the top 25. So I think you could actually use these quadrants as part of the formula to kind of generate rankings. And it's going to be very close to what the AP is, but I just don't know if there's, if there's quote-unquote, like, favoritism in the, in the AP rankings. Like... Preseason, if if Michigan State got zero recruits, uh, they would be like a, a preseason top ten, regardless, just because they're Michigan State or Duke or any of those teams. So w- yeah. when Duke winds up with like six losses and they're still ranked tenth, and uh, I'll just use Cincinnati as an example, they're they're twenty two and four and they're battling to get in the top twenty five. So is it because they're Duke and Cincinnati, or is it really like how much of who they play and all that goes into the eight people. I would just like it a little more scientific and not as much bias in there. But I think I think a scientific formula to determine your ranking and then the top sixty eight teams. Eight people is about the best thing we have right now, probably. And is there a way like I'm not smart enough programming or even with numbers that you could do like I always hear strength of schedule, but like is there a way that you could do like go degrees away away from your schedule. So say you finished 20 and 10 or something. Is there a way, like, so that gives you a percentage. So like the teams that you played, can you multiply your win percentage by the, like the average of all the win percentages of all the teams you played and then even go a degree farther. And those percentages are affected by the teams they played. Like I almost feel like there would be a, computer program that if once you went out like three four and five degrees you would just get like like the strength of schedule all take care of itself because it's taking everybody's strength of schedule against how tough their strength of schedule was i'm not i'm not smart enough programmer but there's got to be a way to figure something out like that and i'm sure that's what the rpi tries to do yeah there's a there's got to be a scientific formula out there for really all of this that can give us a true top 68 but again that's if you want that's if you want to crown a national champion i'm fine uh, same as you i'm fine with how the tournament is i think it's it's entertaining it i watch every year uh i'm kind of the same as you i usually haven't taken off work but i think this year i might so might might hit you up or crash in your basement but 
Sounds good. I'll have my setup here. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's it's so entertaining that it's so entertaining that there's a boss button, so you can watch it at work and then click the button when your boss walks in. And I mean, everybody <laughs> does it. Work productivity is shit for those two days. So uh, it's it's fun. Really, anything you could want in a giant spectacle, it just does not crown the best team out of the top 68 that make a tournament. I agree. And uh, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Sure, yeah. But I guess here would be, and I don't know if it's similar or not, but for the ACC champion, is the ACC champion the team that wins the tournament or the team that wins the, the regular season? has the best record in the regular season. Yeah, that that kind of goes to my my conference champion. Like so Purdue and Michigan State share the Big 10 conference champion and if Michigan wins the Big 10 tournament, like who's the who's the conference champion? And that's even taking my bias completely out of it. I I will and unless things take a huge shift, I, if I'm quoting a conference champion, I'm going to tell you who who I know to have won the regular season. And so is Purdue the I, I had a is Purdue the two seed in the Big Ten tournament? Purdue is the two seed, yes. So how do they determine who's one and two? There, it's a it's like head to head tiebreakers, and if you're tied head to head, which they were, they go to between the two teams that were tied, they go to the best team in the in the rankings, and then they go head to head there. So that would have been Michigan. Uh, Michigan State was two and zero against, and Purdue was zero and one. Then, and again, apologies because this affects Purdue, but Michigan State should be the Big Ten championship. Like the NFL goes down to a fucking coin flip. Like if you tie in everything, yeah, we I just we just flip a coin, and whoever it is wins the division. I mean, there should not be forty five winners for thirty two conferences, and winning the the regular season should mean something. If not, you're exactly right. It's it's just. You play an entire year for seeding, and then you play. I guess that's what you're going to do in any of them, but I don't know. If I'm if I'm Purdue, maybe you keep playing to not get rusty, or or Michigan State, or any of these teams, or maybe you you bow out the first time, you get rested, you get healthy, you you practice. I I guess it's the do you rest your starters in week sixteen, seventeen? But well, and that's something that. I- where I don't put a whole lot of stock into these conference turn. Now, some games do, like, for instance, that Indiana-Ohio State game is probably going to be a good one because it's it's probably going to be a play-in yeah. game, or as far as those teams think that it is. But it, And I'm not going to say, like, you, you rest your starters, but say, uh, okay, so if Michigan State has Nick, Nick Ward ready to come back, they're not going to play him a full allotment of minutes. Or, or if you have somebody who's nursing an injury, just in general, you're going to play him a little bit, but you're not going to play in the same amount of minutes as if you ha- you ha- you're playing for your tournament lives. Right. So if you get a team like Michigan State playing against an IU or Ohio State, which you're obviously going to get, the level of motivation is just not where it would normally be. So I don't know if there's a whole lot of stock you can take Taking that when you know you you know you're going to make the tournament, or you have like a Virginia who probably no matter what's going to happen they're probably going to be yeah. a one seed. So what do they really care? I mean, it'd be nice for them to win, but they're not going to do anything that jeopardizes their chance to win the NCAA tournament because of them winning the NCAA tournament's what they're after. the The ACC tournament probably doesn't mean a whole lot to them, nor 
North Carolina or Duke, but you get like Virginia Tech or Florida State in there. That, those are programs that I feel like would really want to win the ACC tournament. And maybe we'll find out if the Big Ten really is just beating up on one another if like a Northwestern makes a run and starts taking these teams out because they're fairly evenly matched with you know the top and bottom tier. Maybe we'll finally see the result there. Yeah, and if they do that, maybe that's just saying how bad the how bad the top of the Big yeah, Ten is. That could be as well. So I guess we'll we'll wrap up today. We've got a we've got a big episode next week, but we'll wrap up today, Joe, with Big Ten. We're in Big Ten country, so uh, any bold predictions or anything on the Big Ten tournament that you want to talk about? Who do you think is going to win? Any upsets you see? I don't know if I have specific upsets or not. I do think that if you enjoy college basketball, I do think, and we've mentioned it, the Ohio State-Indiana game will be a fun one to watch. Like a team that, if you're, since Kyle's not on, and if you're, if you're looking to, to bet something, I would not touch Wisconsin, whether you're betting individually or if you're wanting to try to get some value on a, on a tournament winner, mainly because if you're they're like 50% from the free throw line. Yeah, not going to win a lot of games. If if there's and especially get to tournament time, you know how many games are, are determined at the free throw line where you either have to hit free throws because you're keeping a lead, or your best player's fifty percent from the line. What are you going to do? I'm, I'd start fouling him at, with four minutes to go if, if I was down by ten, just to see what happens. So as simple as that. I, I and I think I saw a stat that there. The only team that they've beat that's finished in the top six in the Big Ten this year was Iowa. And look at what Iowa's. They've been a dumpster fire lately. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't touch them, but Maryland is a team I think I'd look out for. They've got a – they're pretty good in the guard position. They've got some athletes and Bruno Fernando down low. I think that's a team I would look out for. So basically, I think the top half of that bracket's going to be going to be fun to watch. Yeah, Maryland has a good draw. I mean, they get the winner of Nebraska Rutgers, and then if they win, they get Wisconsin, and all you have to do is foul them when they get across half court and <laughs> probably win by 30. Yeah. yeah, and then who knows what happened? I mean, Indiana's beaten Michigan State twice, yeah. so Michigan State's shown they're vulnerable to some, and uh, Illinois beat Michigan State. So, hell, I wouldn't be surprised if you get Maryland in the final game there. I do think Purdue's the favorite to get out of the bottom, though, but. I don't know if there's anybody who wants to play in Penn State right now. Yeah, no, I I would agree. I can see Penn State getting hot, and and I I won't be completely surprised if I'm not watching Purdue on Saturday. I mean, I I kind of expect him to, but it it won't really knock my socks off if I don't. Something that wouldn't knock my socks off either is uh, if Ohio State comes out and beats IU by about 25. <laughs> because the, I don't know if that's because it's the Big Ten or that's just what happens. They have been playing so bad, and Indiana's been playing so good, and Generally, when that's the case, it's like a, a very lopsided opposite way, you would think. I think it'll be a good tournament. I, I'm really looking forward to being able to to, to watch all of that. Um, and, too, maybe it's because I watch more Big Ten than I do everything else, but I think the Big Ten is so biased towards the home court. I don't, like, I don't know if it's just because the fans are in the crowds are that good or the visiting locker rooms are terrible or the officials just whether they mean to or not favor the home team but and it's every home team and so I think it's fun to watch them all play on a neutral floor where there obviously is no home team 
because the home and away split for the Big Ten is ridiculous. Like I, I think I'm not gonna call it embarrassing, but it's it's just so one sided that Yeah. So watch them on neutral floor, I think's fun. Yeah. I, I that's a very good point. I mean, if you everybody's home record is phenomenal and everybody sucks on the road, it seems like. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. be interesting to see what happens. Uh keep us posted if you see anything crazy or and and hopefully you get to watch some really good basketball. All right, well, that's it for us this week. Tune in next week when uh, at least Joe and I, I don't know if anybody else will be on, but we're going to walk through our picks of the NCAA tournament. We're going to tell you the upsets that are definitely, maybe we think possibly are happening, and we're going to pick our winner that you can take to the bank, right? Just go ahead and bet that That up front. That is correct, yeah. For Joe, I was Luke. Thanks for joining us this week, and check us out next week for another special. Bye.